Welcome to Happiness and Inside Job. This is episode 38, Facing Challenges Head On, and I'm your host, Connie Atkinson. Happiness and Inside Job is the go-to resource for Christian parents wanting to effectively communicate with teenage and young adult children utilizing powerful life coaching skills. What if I told you your children don't need to change anything in order for you to have a fulfilling relationship with them? You can change everything about your relationships with others by merely changing the way you think about them. Imagine the power you find when you stop depending on others for change and you create the change. Suddenly, you stop being the victim and you become the hero of your life. Welcome, welcome, and thank you for joining me again this week on the podcast. It's been a while since I've read some reviews, so I'm going to start with just a couple of them. One says, amazing content. Connie is just so good. I don't think there's been a single sentence she said that hasn't hit home for me. From whatever walk of life you come from, Connie's content will relate to you, and you will gain amazing value from every episode. I can't wait for more. Thank you so much, Sean. All right, here's another one, positive and uplifting. I enjoy this podcast for several reasons, but mainly because each episode gives me some practical advice for creating more positive interactions with my family. Thank you, Lexington Frothing Club. (laughs) And one more from Chelsea. She says, I feel like Connie is speaking directly to me in each podcast. Her voice is so soothing and inviting, and I love her viewpoint on everything she talks about. I find myself being kinder to my kids and husband. I find myself wanting to do more Christ-like things each day, and I find myself loving myself more. I wouldn't want to start my day without her podcast. I listen and re-listen. They truly are that good. Thank you, Chelsea, and thank you to everyone else who takes the time to come on and leave me a rating and review. Truly, the kindest way you can say thank you is to share this podcast with your friends and jump on and leave me a rating or review if you haven't done so. All right, you guys, today I am tackling kind of a tricky subject. It's challenges, and this subject is challenging. Sometimes, no matter how good we are, no matter how good of a person we are, no matter how kind we are to other people, sometimes we just get faced with a trial, a tricky challenge. Sometimes they are so crazy hard, it's like driving 60 miles an hour down a freeway and all of a sudden we hit a brick wall that wasn't there. It just shows up and all of a sudden it's right there and we're left wondering how in the heck we're going to get out of bed, how in the heck we're going to breathe. Sometimes challenges in life are so hard, it's almost like you feel like that brick wall is sitting on your chest and you don't know how you're going to gasp for that next breath of air. My friends, challenges are part of life. They don't mean that you've done something wrong. They don't mean that you're being punished. They mean that you're a human being and that you're down here on earth experiencing the full human experience. And it also may mean that you get to clean up the aftermath, that you have to deal with the aftermath of the wreck. Sometimes we are that person that's going through the really challenging time. And other times we get to be that person that helps someone else through it. I love President Eyring's reflections on this. He says, when I was a young man, I served as counselor to a wise district president in the church. He tried to teach me. 
One of the things I remember wondering about was this advice he gave me. When you meet someone, treat them as if they were in serious trouble, and you will be right more than half of the time. I thought then that he was pessimistic. Now, more than 40 years later, I can see how well he understood the world and life. This week marks the one-year anniversary for the beginning of a trial of a dear friend of mine. A year ago, her husband left her. She just came home from the gym one day, and he informed her that he had rented an apartment and he was moving out that day. She said, so that means we're going to get help? And he said, no, it means I'm done. You guys, this was her brick wall, and she hit it at 60 miles an hour. Her thought about her marriage had been, there are some things that are tricky, but we have a lot worth fighting for, and I'm going to keep fighting. Now, our own models are not the only models that play in our life. Sometimes we are absolutely affected by the models of others. So when her husband's thought was, my marriage is over, there's nothing worth fighting for, he stopped fighting and his thought became his reality. So whether that was her thought or not, suddenly it's her reality and she's faced with this challenge, whether she chose it or not. Now, in the days and weeks that immediately followed, she grew to truly appreciate these words of President Eyring, to treat everyone you come in contact with as if they were in serious trouble. She truly grew to appreciate the people who greeted her by telling her, it's so good to see you. I love you so much. Rather than saying, how are you? No, really, how are you doing? Now, when you're going through some serious trials, you may not want to replay all the drama of the day over and over and over, and bursting into tears in front of a large group of people is just embarrassing. But you can never have too many people express sincere love for you. Now, divorce is only one example of serious trauma that people suffer in this life. Sometimes we get diagnosed with a terminal illness. Sometimes it's death loss of a job. In this day and age, many parents are having their children come and express same-sex attraction. These trials come in many, many, many forms, and the form doesn't matter. They're all hard. If you're like me, you kind of have your future mentally mapped out, right? So I'm going to get married, my husband's going to do this, and my kids are going to do this, and this is what they're not going to do. And if you're anything like me, your life map goes out the window the minute life starts happening. As much as we might want to, we do not have the power to control everything and everyone around us. In fact, I have become acutely aware of the word should in my life. When I think the word should, when I say the words should, I really try to stop in my tracks and ask myself the question, is that really true? A couple examples of shoulds that I used to really hold on to in my life that caused me a lot of pain were things like, my kids should make their beds, or my husband should take care of the cars. My cute sister Mary, she sends me quotes all the time, and ironically enough, today she sent me a quote by Paula Pant, and it says, authenticity is the art of not giving a stink about should. Isn't that the truth? What if our life actually should be happening exactly the way it is? The fact of the matter is, choices of other people do affect our lives. And the how, how those choices affect our lives is up to us. 
we get to choose that. We get to choose how we react. Now, with the permission of my friend and a whole lot of very generalized details, I want to share with you a story. One day, she received a phone call from her husband. Now, before he left that day, he had packed all his essentials in the car because he fully understood that after he made this phone call, that she may tell him he couldn't come home. After he said what he needed to say and came completely clean, her first thought was, my husband has ruined our family. He has ruined my life and he has ruined my family. And almost immediately, the thought came to her mind. Clearly, she heard the words, he has not ruined your family, but you can. Her immediate reaction was, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I am not the one that da-da-da-da-da. Fill in the blank however you want. How on earth is it fair to put the responsibility for what happens from here on out on me? How can this even be fair? And what does fair look like? What happened if things happened exactly the way they were supposed to? Now, don't get me wrong. When her husband called to make his confession, she felt like she had been hit by a Mack truck. She honestly felt paralyzed. She didn't know how to get out of bed in the morning. Her chest felt so heavy. She felt like she was honestly gasping for air. You guys, when stuff happens and it's hard, if somebody dies, you just want to be sad for a while. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to process pain. It drives me absolutely crazy when little kids fall. My grandson, I'm telling you, he is the king of like the biggest goose eggs you've ever seen in your life because he's adventurous and he's always climbing something. He gets the biggest goose eggs on his head. For a parent to look at him, by the way, my daughter does not do this, but you've all seen it happen. That kid falls and the parent's like, it's okay, it's okay, honey, don't cry, don't cry. Why? Why can't you just cry for a minute? Why not just process the pain? My sister Mary had two kids leave on a mission at the same time. They were both gone for Christmas. Kate, let me paint the scene for you just a little bit more clearly here. You're talking about parents who had all of their kids at home, all the ducks in a nest, and suddenly two of them are gone and it's Christmas. Are you kidding me? There is a big void. And it's not that she wasn't happy about what they were doing. It's not that she wished them home. It's that she was sad that they were gone. She was sad because she missed them. She actually likes her kids. She enjoys their company. And so for them to both be gone, it was this huge void. She felt like she would be ungrateful if she complained about them being gone. And so she just held it in. She bottled up her feelings. She finally decided that she had an abscessed tooth and she went to the dentist and the dentist had to break it to her that she was clenching her teeth that she was so distressed that she was just clenching her teeth as hard as she possibly could. By trying to ignore her emotions, she was actually causing herself physical pain. Now, this brings up an interesting point, and I want to just talk about pain for a while. Isn't it interesting how the body deals with pain? I remember when I was about to have our fourth child, it was on my bucket list. I just decided that I wanted to give natural childbirth. 
It was a moment of crazy. I've had a lot of those moments of crazy in my life. Just ask my husband. But anyway, I was bound and determined that I was going to give birth to this baby with no medication. I remember talking to my husband about it later. I'm like, ah, it really wasn't that bad. I think it wasn't that bad. I don't even think I screamed. And my husband looked at me and just gave me this look. I'm like, did I scream? He's like, um, yeah. I think it's truly fascinating how the body processes pain. In fact, don't you think sometimes we kind of process pain in stages? There was this young man who was in this paramotor accident. And so it's one of those paragliders that's powered by a motor. Anyway, it failed and he fell 200 feet. He should have been dead. And when the paramedics came to him, he said to them, so I feel like I just need to walk it off or something. I mean, this man had broken nearly every bone in his entire body. But at that moment, the adrenaline took over and he didn't feel the effect of all of his injuries in that very moment. In fact, it probably would have been way more than, his, than he could have withstood right? Instead, he felt it in stages. I think this idea of feeling pain in stages is so interesting. I love the analogy given to me by one of my clients going through a divorce. She said to me, you know, I feel like I woke up one day and somebody said, oh, by the way, I signed you up for a 5k. You start running right now. And I started nearing the end of that. And I was told, just kidding. It's a 10k. Just kidding. It's a half marathon. She got to the halfway mark and she's like, just kidding. You just found out it's a marathon. Think back to trials you've had in your life. Had you known from the starting line that it was actually going to be a marathon, would you have taken the first step off the starting line? But when you get to one spot and find out you just have a little bit more to go, then you're invigorated. You feel like, yeah, I've come this far. I can do a little bit more and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And at the end of this challenge, what you figured out is you are capable of so much more than you ever imagined yourself capable of overcoming. I want to make certain that I don't lightly brush over this phase of processing pain. Now, if some shooter goes into a high school and shoots down and kills 10 people, I want to feel sad. I want to feel like that is horrible. Likewise, when someone close to me and dear to me dies, I want to be sad about it. I want to feel the loss of what of the important role that they played in my life and now is not such an active role. I have two daughters who are celiac. When they were diagnosed, we just sat down and cried for a while. My second daughter was in puberty when she was diagnosed, so she knew the joy of eating gluten all those years, and she knew what a lifestyle change this was going to be. And we sat down and talked about that. We sat down and talked about the things that she was going to miss. When my grandson falls and gets a big goose egg on his head, we cry together while that goose egg expands to its full size. Parents may feel this same sense of loss if a child tells them they have same-sex attraction. They may feel a loss for those children that they're never going to be able to have. Whatever those dreams are, it's okay to process the pain. Where we get into real trouble is where we let our brains try to make other people's actions mean something about us. 
For example, if a teenager makes decisions that you don't agree with, many parents make that mean that they weren't good enough parents, that they didn't teach their children, that they didn't do their job, and that this decision that they don't agree with is a reflection on them. The same thing often happens with infidelity in marriage. The other spouse tortures themselves with thoughts like, if I were a good enough spouse, this wouldn't have happened. If I were just better at this, if I had done more of that and less of this, this wouldn't have happened. My friends, the key to your sanity is to realize their model is about them and it has nothing at all to do with you. It is completely natural and healthy to process the pain of your loss. Where we get into trouble is when we start making ourselves the victim, right? When it's like we've got on blinders and all we can see in the garden are the weeds. When we're in victim mentality, we're thinking thoughts like, I have no control. This is so unfair. It's dwelling on feelings like fear and anxiety, It's focusing on the present situation rather than looking at the future and the options that are available to you in the future. When we're in victim mode, we can't even talk about long-term. All we can do is wallow in the present. Lingering in victim mode takes away all your power and it's not serving you. It's not useful. My sister reminded me of a time when I actually posted on Facebook There is not enough ice cream to make this better. Ice cream is a circumstance. It's never going to make anything better. It is completely neutral until you have a thought about it. I would also like to offer to you that an affair is completely neutral until you have a thought about it. You can choose to think they're horrible and awful and should never happen. Truth is, you get to choose whatever you want to think. This infidelity might be the ending of your marriage, and it might be the catalyst that truly brings you together. It might be just what your marriage needed to help the two of you really understand how important you are and how much you really do love one another. You may hate the affair, and at the same time, you may love the people you become in the process of working through it. Other people can make decisions that affect your circumstances. They can only affect your peace and happiness if you allow them to. The minute your happiness relies upon the actions of another person is the minute you stepped into victim mode. Trials and challenges are not an accidental speed bump in our life that we're supposed to hurry and get through as soon as we can. These challenges and how we cope with them are character-defining They increase our ability to love and to show compassion. The most important takeaway I hope you get from this podcast is that any circumstance, no matter how dramatic and traumatic your brain wants to tell you that it is, it is completely neutral until you have a thought about it, my friend. My challenge to you is to really pay attention to the circumstances in your life and to consciously remind your brain that they are completely neutral until you have a thought about it. The state of your teenager's bedroom, it's neutral, you guys. The amount of gas that's in the tank of your husband's car when you borrow it at an emergency, neutral. The amount of money in your bank account, still completely neutral, my friends. 
The doors to my monthly coaching program are closed for October, so make sure you register early so you don't miss out on November. If you need individual help before that, I can squeeze you in for a one-on-one session, so make sure and send me a message. I was thinking the other day about when cell phones became a common thing. I remember being so confused at how anybody could justify that expense. Then one day my dad got a cell phone. I know my dad to be a very frugal and careful man with his money. And when my dad got one, I really took a look at it, at the advantages and what it could do for me. And now my cell phone never leaves my hand. I run my business from my phone. I can't find an address without that phone. I literally am paralyzed without my phone. Isn't it funny to look back and to see how something I thought was so frivolous and ridiculous at one point, I now see as that one thing I wouldn't choose to live without. You guys, I feel the same way about coaching. With these tools, I have changed the way I think about myself, my husband, and everyone around me. I am a different mother today because I actively apply these tools in my life every day. As hard as this may be for some of you to comprehend, I even use these tools in my own life even more than I use my cell phone. Give me a call. Let's get you signed up for a free mini session so you can see the power of these tools in your life. And I'll see y'all next week.